This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join Oanda Senior Market Analyst in Singapore, Kelvin Wong. Good morning from London, Kelvin, and good afternoon to you. Good morning to you, Johnny. Good to be back again. Yeah, let's get firstly from you the markets where you are in Asia Pacific because they've now closed. Yes. So if you look at the key uh, benchmark of Asia today, like the DK225 is actually positive, 1.73%. And you look at the China proxy, which is the Hansing benchmark index, that's up close to 1%. And the CSI 300, it managed to actually close up 1.2%. So that actually came on a backdrop where last Friday, the China benchmark stock index together with the Hansing benchmark indices a fall down close to about the seven or nine month low. So one of the current, we call it short-term positive animal periods that's being seen on the Hansing index as well as the CSI 300 index is primarily due to the fact that there's this, uh, we call it a cut by China policymakers or regulators over the weekend, which is yesterday, they actually cut the stock trading levy by 50%. So that's uh, bringing it down from 0.1% to 0.05% with effect from today. So that's the first cut since 2008 during the height of the great financial crisis. So that seems to be driving a bit of trading volume or a bit of excitement in the uh, benchmark uh, China stock market right now. But overall, uh, the fundamentals are still uh, rather weak. There is actually potentially still a structural issue uh, structure uh, 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 a problem that is still taking place in the property uh, development sector, which is the crux of uh, this uh, uh, catalyst that is dragging down the China uh, risk asset or China equities in the start of this month. We've also seen shares in embattled Chinese developer Evergrande start trading in Hong Kong for the first time in a year and a half. And well, it's been pretty dramatic because uh, they have fallen by around 80% uh, today. Now, if you recall, the shares have lost more than 99% of their value in the last three years after uh, Beijing started its crackdown on property firms. And uh, this is a big deal, actually, isn't it? Because Evergrande is at the centre of what is a real real estate market crisis threatening the world's second largest economy. Yes, precisely. So, uh, like we highlighted earlier, is uh, definitely the ongoing current about a four or six week of weakness seen in the China stock market and uh, and its benchmark, benchmark which is the Hansing uh, stock indices. Uh, primarily driven by the fact that we start to see a very weak uh, activity in the China uh, property market. Firstly, they start to face what I call an oversupply of houses, uh, which i.e. Uh, did actually uh, help them. To, to, to actually uh, cover their their revenue, which is coming down in shortfall to actually pay off their, their ongoing debt burden. So if you look at uh, all this actually boils down to the last, uh, I think, one and a half year of this uh, crackdown by the China authority to actually uh, clear out this, uh, this, this uh, rampant, we call it a, a, a moral hazard behavior uh, by property developers. That means they took on excessive debt uh, overbuilt uh, the housing as the housing market that led to this uh, current situation over here right now. So I think the next key step, uh, what market participants want to actually see over here is that 
who's going to buy up this uh, potential debt burden of this uh, assist of this property developer? Because at this point in time, uh, what the top regulators did over here is to just kick the can down the road. That means, i.e., they asked the respective uh, bankers of these uh, indebted uh, property developers to extend their credit line. But how long can this credit line be extended given the fact that we now start to see a rather lackluster external economic environment that is actually impacting China growth as well, that's externally. And also right now, there is also this uh, ongoing, uh, we call it a de-risking by US, where, where we start to see uh, traditionally trading partners from China uh, removing all their manufacturing uh, uh, activities away from China and reshoring back to US. So that could also be impacted indirectly of economic growth in China as well that lead to what I call a higher unemployment rate. So to me, uh, all these structural problems got to be resolved. That means, i.e. there must be some uh, form of what I call uh, buying up of bad debt or, or, or forgiveness of this bad debt burden. That means uh, the China authorities got to actually come in and kind of a, a, a buy over this bad debt and restructure it in a form of way that to hopefully to sell it off in a secondary market in the near future when the economy gets better. So that could actually uh, kind of a provide a more of a medium term to long term solution that we could start to see a much more uh, pronounced medium term positive animal spirits coming back into the China stock market. Kelvin, it's a, a shorter working week where I am here in the UK because of the uh, August public holiday. But where you are, it's a normal week. And it's going to be a busy one as well because we've got some key data uh, to look out for. Uh, Eurozone inflation. Uh, we've got the PCE figures for July. And of course, Friday, um, one of the big ones, it's non-farm payroll day with it being the first Friday of the month in the United States. Yes, precisely. So what we see that this is definitely key data, the Eurozone inflation data out on Thursday. Then US, you also similar out on Thursday, the core PCE data. So this data is pretty much key in terms of market participants uh, is watching a close uh, eye on their radar screen. Why? Because if we call what happened over last Friday on during the Jackson Hole Symposium, where Fed Chair Powell actually kind of reiterated his rather, I would say, hawkish stance of looking to actually uh, hold rates higher for a longer period in US as per se. Why? Because they are still in a vision of inflationary levels are still relatively going to be sticky and they're still keeping their inflation target of 2%. So if you look at the core PCE uh, 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 numbers right now for the month of uh, uh, June, is coming in at 4.1% uh, year on year. So that's relatively still high on the high side. And given that the consensus that is coming in uh, for the July figure for the core PCE is slightly higher at 4.2% year on year. So relatively, if you look at the absolute number, yes. Uh, if you look at the last uh, three to four months, core PC data or inflation data, be it the CPI data, it indeed start to cool off or temper off in the last uh, three to four months. But the absolute level still remains above uh, that 2% level that the Fed wants to target before they're saying that they're much more comfortable uh, to say that they are actually has this uh, uh, done deal to actually keep inflation at bay based on what Powell's message during Jackson Hole. So with that in mind, uh, we also have to keep a lookout on the uh, non-farm payroll data, which is out on Friday. 
So normal payroll data, uh, right now we're having a very relatively low consensus number, 170K consensus uh, versus what we see 186K added in the month of July. So any number that is uh, definitely going above 190, 200K, that could actually uh, kind of uh, uh, indicate to us that the US uh, labor market is still pretty much uh, robust. So that could actually be much more of a impetus for the Fed to actually keep rates uh, longer for a higher level, given the fact that uh, the current labor market situation hasn't seen a kind of a drastic negative hit on this uh, current level of high interest rates. So for sure, I'll be looking very closely at this uh, movement of the dollar. So if you look at the euro dollar as the benchmark, uh, given that it's the most, uh, we call it liquid uh, traded currency pair. So the euro dollar has been trading on the downside since the start of July. Okay, so all in all, it has been fallen close to about negative 500 pips from its 17th of July high of uh, 1.1275 level. So that's close to about uh, six weeks of euro dollar decline. That means six weeks of dollar strength as seen in the euro dollar. And right now it's actually testing a key technical support level, which is the 200 day moving average at around 1.08 level. So uh, the, the next support uh, potentially is that if uh, the US numbers uh, gets to be pretty much rosy on the inflation side of the thing. And as well, not forgetting that uh, the uh, the non-farm payroll data as well, the next support we'll be looking at will be at 1.067 uh, with this key resistance coming in at uh, 1.0945 slash 1.0960. So that's the downward sloping 50-day moving average. So all in all, what we could see right now is uh, that medium to short-term downtrend on that euro dollar is still pretty much remains intact ahead of this key data that we'll be watching closely on. Okay, Kelvin, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a great week and we shall speak to you very soon. Same to you, Johnny. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. 